Hey, welcome to night school. You know, sometimes you don't know whether it's day or night. Kind of along the, the same lines as what I was saying in a, in a recent episode about when you don't know what day of the week it is, when you have one of those little lapses in whatever it is. I don't, I don't want to say memory, although I guess that's it. Because if you don't remember what day it is, it's like you, the context that tells you you know, the day of the week is gone. But it's kind of similar when you take a nap or just oversleep or undersleep or anything like that, and you suddenly realize you don't know if it's day or night. Maybe the blinds are down. Maybe it's that time of day, time of night where it's kind of dark, so you really don't know. And what better example of that is is there than being in a cave? If you're in a cave, you truly don't know what's going on outside. Your entire uh, maybe your internal clock will tell you something, your intuitive internal clock, whatever that is, will tell you something, but you have no other context uh, that'll tell you what time of day or night it is. And I've been thinking today about caves. I was just thinking about it, you know, right before I decided to hit record. And in so many ways, you know, we enter this cave in life, and it sounds so pseudo profound, pseudo profound. Well, this show is a pseudo, I realize too, this show is a pseudo, pseudo intellectual show. It's not pseudo intellectual, it's pseudo, pseudo intellectual. Whatever that means, I don't know. I like the sound of it. Uh, but, you know, in so many ways we do, we enter this cave in life, you know, where, you know, we don't really know what's going on. We truly don't entirely know what's going on. And of course, it makes sense that we start out in a womb, you know, which is the most organic. I guess I don't want to say the most organic, but in terms of like the flesh, it's like the flesh cave, you know, and I'm not the first person to make that comparison. Uh, but, uh, you know, we start out in the womb, which is only fitting uh, that I you know, go with this cave metaphor, and it's barely a metaphor, in my opinion. It's barely a metaphor. That's barely a metaphor. Um, uh, but yeah, in so many ways, we enter this cave in life, and part of part of life is realizing that you are in a cave, because a lot of times we don't know that, or we don't realize it until later. And I feel like I'm in a cave. I really, I, I truly feel like I'm in a cave these days. And, uh, you know, part of being in a cave, especially, you know, a deep cavernous cave, which might be redundant, I don't know, a cavernous cave, uh, but, you know, a, a cavern that goes deep and has, you know, all sorts of places you can go. When you're in that, you don't know where you're going. You know, it may be lit, you know, which is a sign that other people have been there. And so often, you know, when we're exposed to other people's ideas and we use other people as a point of reference, it's because they've been where we are. And that's kind of where epiphanies come from. When someone activates an epiphany inside of you, it's almost like you are going down a dark hallway and, oh, there's a torch. There's a torch. Someone's been here. And, it, you know, you know where you are. You can contextualize where you're at and therefore yourself. Therefore yourself. Uh, but, you know, and then... When you're in that cave, though, it's like having the realization that I don't know where I'm going. Even if there's a torch here or there, even if that kind of contextualizes where I'm at, I can kind of see things. You know, that only extends, you know, a certain way forward. And we love to go places that are just fully lit. We love it. We love a nice cave where there's just it's a it's just a line of torches all the way down. And that's always a trick. You know, anytime someone's like giving you you know, guidelines all the way down, like you're like, oh, now I know where I'm going. 
And that's what often happens with belief systems, ideologies, whether they're religious or political. It's like, oh, there's, there's torches all the way down the hallway. I can see. I know exactly where I'm going. And, you know, what you don't realize is those aren't torches. Those are stoplights. And they might help you to some degree, but they also halt you. Uh, sometimes when you least, when you, when, just when you want to get home, uh, they'll give you a red light. Uh, you know, it turns out this cave is full of stoplights. It's just like everything else, uh, but it's like that. And so you don't really want to go anywhere where it's just always lit, you know, something that, something that tries to deny the mystery of life. And the true mystery of life is not being able to solve it, knowing you won't be able to completely answer every question, dot every I and go through every, uh, stoplight for that matter. I don't know what that means. Uh, but, you know, I, I would never trust a cave that is just fully lit. That tells me, you know, something's wrong. Uh, but you do want to go into a cave where there, you know, because if you're just in the dark all the time, you are going to trip and hurt yourself. You are going to get like, I don't know, it's just going to be weird at the very least. And I don't know, your your paranoia is going to catch up to you at some point. But you come across these torches and, you know, that's a resource. It's a luxury to come across a torch when you're in this deep cavern, you know, it's really a luxury. And there's a part of you that wants to grab it. There's a part of you wants that wants to grab that torch and be like, oh, there's a torch along the wall here. I better grab it and take it with me. That way I can see where I'm going at least a little bit the entire time. And that's sort of, you know, a good, uh, I don't know, analogy, metaphor, whatever the hell it is for resources. You know, there's a resource, a luxury. Uh, having a torch in a dark cavern is a luxury at, you know, on one end and it's, it's, but it's just basically a resource and you want to take that resource and you want to go, I'm going to use this. But what you don't realize is when you grab that torch, it's like somebody else is going to come to that spot and it's not going to be lit for them. And so in that way, you want to be very careful about what resources in life you take because, you know, while I think there are enough resources for everybody to get by, it's very easy to, you know, be a little too possessive with them. It's very easy to be like, well, this is my torch. And, uh, you know, but there's another end of that where it's like, it's not that you shouldn't take the torch. You know, you should, you know, if you really truly need it, you should take that torch. Or if you really truly think you're going to need it down the line, because, you know, you might be the person who puts that torch somewhere else farther down where nobody had put a torch before. You know, and in that way, you're, you know, you would think, oh, if you if you take a torch off the wall of a cave, you know, you should put it back. You should go back and, like, put it back. But who's to say you're going to be coming back? You know, maybe you will. I think a lot of people go into a cave with the intention of coming back out. Uh, but not everybody does, and I don't know that I'm a person who has any intention of ever going back the way I came. I know the the way to get there, you know. It's like I've talked about before, like exploring the shadow, and uh, that sounds more voluntary than it is, because I think my exploration of my shadow in the Jungian sense uh, was, was partially voluntary because I was interested in dark things, but I also think so much of it wasn't voluntary, and in that sense, you know, even though I know the way back there and I can retrace my steps, you know, it's like it's like knowing how to get back to your childhood home or something. You might not want to go there. It's different. Even if it still like has some sort of appeal, even if it still has some sort of meaning, it's different. So in that same way, in the cave, it's like you might not want to go back the way you came ever. 
And in that way, you're not going to be able to replace that resource, that that torch, exactly where it was, where you found it. But that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't take it. Because you, as I was saying, you might go down in that cave and you might find another place where nobody's ever put a torch and you might be that person who puts the torch there. Uh, and in that way, someone who gets that far down will be really fucking happy to find a torch even deeper, you know, because if it's a certain place that, you know, even if even if one particular spot isn't lit up by that torch because you took the torch, you know, there's a good chance someone will find their way there. And if they can find their way there, they can keep going. Uh, and then they're going to get even deeper where it's even more mysterious. It's even more uh foreboding, you know, because anytime you go deep, anytime you dig deep, and I probably I probably shouldn't say dig because I'm going to get into that in a second. Uh, but anytime, you know, you go deeper and deeper and it gets seemingly darker and darker and not in the negative sense, but in the confusing sense, uh, you know, you very well, you know, might, you know, that torch might have a lot more meaning farther down. So if you're the person who replenishes that resource, that torch, somewhere else deeper down, you might actually be doing someone, you know, much more good than if you had just retraced your steps and put the torch back. Uh, but to get away from the torch idea, and, you know, I mentioned the word digging, and, you know, I'm someone who, I love mystery, and I love the mysteries of life. I love the small mysteries, you know, in a story, but I love just the greater mysteries of life, obviously. But I also, I don't love, you know, attempts to answer them necessarily. I love exploring them. I love the adventure of mystery, but I don't necessarily need some conclusion. And often I don't think that you can really find a conclusion in the logical sense. And in that way, you know, I, I think of myself sometimes as as sometimes as digging for things because I like to research things. I like to immerse myself, but I don't think of myself really as a digger. I don't think of myself as the type of person who takes, you know, this shovel and is trying to like chip away at the walls and find something. I realize I've realized recently that I'm much more of a scavenger. I like, I like exploring, but I love just finding something. I don't like just like being like, where, where'd they bury the gold? They put in, the X on the map says it's here and blah, blah, blah. They said it's buried between two trees. You know, it's like Treasure Island where it's like it's buried like by this tree, like next to this hill. Whatever. You know, it's like I don't necessarily like doing that. I don't like just being like I'm going to I'm going to dig up every plot of land, you know. I'm going to I'm going to dig up every square inch of this land until I find that, you know, treasure chest. You know, I'm not that kind of person, but I do love finding things and I love finding treasure, but I love just finding it as a scavenger. I like just, you know, coming across it and not a desperate scavenger who's like, you know, if I don't find this, I'm going to die. I'm going to, you know, not coming from that place of desperation, but simply finding something and in being in a cave, you know, you know, I'm exploring and, and it's, it's about the adventure and it's about exploring the mystery, not trying to like dig for something, not trying to force my way to that treasure, whatever it is, if it's even a treasure, if it's just something, you know, as I've mentioned before, like the things that I tr end up treasuring or that I like put on display in my house, they could be just some random thing that someone I barely know gave to me that seemed to have no significance at the time, but it, you know, I, I'm, I just feel compelled. So, it's not like, you know, I can really define what treasure is. I just kind of know it when I find it as a scavenger. Uh, you come across it. 
And that's the other great thing about scavenging is because you didn't just exert all this, like, you know, you didn't overexert yourself to get this thing. And sometimes when you do that, it's like you convince yourself that this is so important because I spent all this time. It's like someone who's like on dating apps, just like fucking swiping around. They're like, I'm going to find this girl. I'm going to find this girl, man. It's like, no, you're not. You're, you're desperate and you're, and you're going to like put that person on a pedestal or it's just, you know, even if it goes well, even if it's true love, it's like, that's the exception. Cause your, your desperation and your attempt to force something isn't going to work. You know, it's, it, chances are, it's not going to work. And it's the same thing for, you know, what I'm talking about here with this theoretical cave where it's like, if you're just digging into the walls, it's like, Whatever you find is going to take on this added significance because yeah, I put so much work into it, you know, my work, my time, my time, my time, you know, it's like, it's such bullshit. Whereas if you just come across something, you're like, oh, holy shit. And you ever notice in like role playing games, like the old RPGs, you know, there's a lot of cave exploration, you know, and you never... Very rarely, I'm trying to think of a game where like you have a pickaxe and you chip away at the walls. I think it feels familiar somehow. It like might have been some sort of like story mechanism in one of those games. But for the most part, you just randomly will come across treasure chests. You'll randomly come across gold. You know, it's you're you're never like your characters like part of this really engrossing, important like world saving story. And but you're not like digging for you know for treasure yeah there are games like that there's like legend of zelda i was thinking the super nintendo game you can get a shovel and dig but it's not it's kind of a side thing like usually it's kind of a side quest like final fantasy 7 had that too where the bone village or whatever where you can dig to find the the harp that lets you into the forest you know there's there's stuff like that there it's always part of like a story thing and you know and 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 i mean i should say you know not that rpgs are everything in life but i do feel like they've given me like a nice baseline and i feel like the more that i revisit like those those games that i played growing up the more i'm like you know those really give you some fundamental lessons in life you know you grind to level up you know, and it's not fun, but you do it, and that's how you get to the next level. That's how you get the breakthrough, which is the level up. You gain a certain number of experience points, like working out any kind of, like, you know, meditation, spiritual practice. It's not just physical. It's not just grinding physically. Everything kind of works that way, where you level up. That's the breakthrough that keeps you going. You know, that's why you grind. You grind because then you get that level up. Uh, but anyway, so there are some RPGs where you do dig. I shouldn't have said you don't do that. But typically, as part of the main story, like what you do is you you come across treasure, you know, you'll find that random sword, you know, and sometimes you have to like open a secret door or cave, but, uh, you know, it's still very scavenger oriented. Uh, and in that way, you know, I'm not someone who myself, like, I, I try not to just like forcefully dig all the time, you know, and sometimes you got to, but I try not to forcefully dig. Uh, and I feel though often like people around me, not, not, not necessarily the people in my life, but just as part of life, being around your fellow human beings. And you see, especially when ideology, religion, politics are involved, people seem like they're just really digging. They're just furiously digging. And they're like, I'm going to find that thing. And so you're walking through this cave and, you know, everyone around you is just chipping away at the walls. They're just digging away. They got pickaxes and shovels and whatever else, their hands sometimes. They're just like ripping, trying to pull the rocks apart 
And, you know, I think religion is probably, you know, and spirituality is probably the best example I can give where on one side of you walking through the cave, it's like there's these people who are like, there's nothing in here. There's nothing in this cave. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to dig through this wall and show you there's nothing in here. There's nothing there. You know, and my entire life is based around the fact that I know nothing is in this wall, yet I'm still going to dig into it. And then you're like, what are you doing? If you're convinced that there's nothing in this wall, there's nothing in this cavern wall, why are you forcefully digging into it? And then on the other side, you have people who are like, I know something is in here. I know there's gold. I know there's a gem. I know there's something that's going to, I know there's something that's going to, you know, answer everything. And, and I know it's there, but I'm still going to dig at it. I'm still going to dig at it. Meanwhile, they're telling you to have faith, but it's like, if you have faith that there's something in that cavern wall, why are you digging so furiously at it? And, you know, and it's, and it's on both sides. And those are just the most extreme examples where it's like, obviously I'm talking about atheists and theists, where it's like these atheists are just like, I'm going to, I'm going to dig through this wall just to show you that nothing's there. And then on the other side, it's like, you know, I'm going to dig through it just to show you something's there. And it's like, both sides are undermining the foundation of the cave, you know? It's like, you're going to collapse the cave on all of us, you know? And those people don't feel that way because they're so dedicated. They've devoted so much time. It's so important to them. Meanwhile, I'm just walking through and I'm like, oh, whoa, treasure, a torch. Whoa, there's a torch. I'm, I'm more excited about just seeing a torch. I'm like, oh, wow. It's like an epiphany. It's like, oh, this area is lit up. I can see the wall. Whoa. Have you guys ever looked at the wall that you guys are chipping away at? You know, that's what I want to say. I'm like, have you ever just looked at the wall? And, you know, I really am at this point in my life. I'm much more oriented toward faith. But faith to me doesn't involve just digging through the wall, trying to like find something. It's like, that's not faith. Faith to me is being a scavenger. Faith to me is walking and, and something coming to you or stumbling across something and just being like, whoa. And sometimes that's as simple as just being, just being like, have you guys actually looked at like the texture of that wall? It's fucking incredible, you know? And, or even if you can't see the wall, you know, even if a lot of times, you know, faith is, is not necessarily being able to see the wall. It's where there's no torch. It's feeling the wall. It's sometimes it's bumping up against it when you don't want to and being like, ow, but you're like, well, that's kind of cool. At least I know where the wall is. You know, sometimes it's as simple as that. Uh, but meanwhile, people are just like digging at it, digging at it. And it's politically as well. They're like, you know, I know what's in here. You know, it's uh, it'd be difficult for me to really <laughs> to really stretch that uh metaphor like to politics like exactly but the same principle applies you know people are still looking for that thing that they're convinced is there and you're wrong you know and you're always and even if and that's the funny thing too is even on each side of that wall where you have these people digging for this reason and this these people digging for that reason even among the people who are you know digging for the same reason those people will fight over well it's actually this spot I know it's in there and you know, it's, and you know, it's like, you know, there's some, like, I know there's something in this wall and you know, there's something in this wall, but it's in this spot over here. And then the same applies to the, the absence of that, where it's like, I know I'm going to find nothing there over here. And you, you're convinced you're going to find nothing over there. And, you know, we're going to fight, you know, and, and so much is that way. But still, I just enjoy that scavenger, you know, I, I, and I genuinely enjoy it just scavenging. You know, maybe grabbing a torch sometimes, maybe, uh, you know, replacing a torch, whatever it is. Uh, but I, I enjoy that, just that scavenger idea. And 
I was going to say, you know, you know, I, I don't know, because I, I was going to say, like, you enter that cave, but in so many ways, you're born into a cave, you're born into the womb, and then you, you come out into life, and even though you're out under the 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 sun, you're out under the sky, you're still in so many ways in a cave your entire life and you're just figuring things out. And as a little kid, you know, it's like what you don't realize as an adult is that when you're a little kid, you're having epiphanies constantly and you don't realize it. And a lot of times they're being forced on you by, by those people digging. Those people are digging all around you, even the adults. And you don't think the adults are digging. You think your teachers, you think your parents, you think everybody, you know, you think that they have just figured it out. You think they're like, oh, they're not digging. Whatever, you know, whatever they've discovered, you know, they've already discovered whatever it is they need to discover. They're adults. And then you, you think that of teenagers too. Like when you're a little kid and you see a teenager, if you have like a family member, a cousin, you know, an older sibling, you think like, oh, they have it figured out. They're a teenager. They're 15 years old. They know everything. And then, you know, you find out when you're that age, oh, they didn't know shit. I don't know shit. Uh, and so it's the same thing with adults where you think adults know everything. Like just in the same way you think a 15, when you're five years old, you think a 15 year old just is, you know, on this whole other level, you think the same thing about adults, you know, and then you get there and you're like, oh, a lot of them are still forcefully digging. And, you know, it's like they're doing it their whole lives in many cases. Uh, and you realize you're out under the, the, the sky, you're out, it's day and you're out walking around. You realize you're still in a cave in so many ways. Uh, and, and not in a dark way, not in a dreary way. You just realize there's so much I don't know. And even if you have convinced yourself that, you know, even if you're walking down that hallway, that's fully lit with torches Deep down, your intuition knows. Deep down somewhere, you know that you don't know, whether you want to accept it or not. In some cases, I think that's what people are spending their whole lives evading, is that deep down, they know that they don't know. And they get little signs that there's something. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you spend your whole life just in this agnostic state, because, you know, when I was younger, I very closely identified with agnosticism. And... Uh, now I would say I'm in, you know, I still embrace agnosticism in the sense that I can't necessarily define things, but certain signs I've experienced, certain experiences I've had, uh, you know, even if they haven't given me some sort of concrete meaning or, or concrete, like, think this, you know, even if a finger hasn't come down from the sky and been like, it's time to think this because that's right. Uh, you know, I still, I've gotten enough indication to where like I have some kind of faith you know, I have some kind of faith, uh, you know, it's difficult to define. So in that way, I would consider myself an agnostic, you know, I'm agnostic in the sense that I can't answer any questions for anybody. I can barely, I can't answer them for myself, but I enjoy that mystery. I enjoy not being able to answer them because I can still explore and I can still learn things along the way. Uh, and in, uh, and, you know, and so much of, I think, what people, when people are digging, when they spend their whole forcefully digging, just slamming that shovel against rock all day, I think what they're really trying to escape is that intuitive feeling that they don't know or that they don't know as well as they would like. It's not that they don't know. It's that I think many times it's like it's not as clear as they would like it to be, and that scares the hell out of them. And... 
when I was younger, I used to reject the whole idea. Like I would hear some of these people, these like self-help or like Buddhist people be like, you know, you're so many people are coming from a place of fear. And because I was so oppositionally defiant, I would hear that and be like, that's bullshit. You know, that's bullshit. Not everybody's coming from a place of fear, but I've really learned how true that is. And, uh, you know, I heard the expression, you know, uh, fear is cold anger. And that resonated with me. I'm like, it sure seems that way. You know, the I'm not very old. I'm 33 going on 34. But the older I get, the more I do realize people are coming from this innate place of fear. And I think I was scared to even <laughs> admit that. I, I was fearful of the fact that everybody is coming from such a fearful place, including me. And uh, the result is people are just digging and trying to prove something and trying to shut other people down, trying to say, this is the right place. You know, I have the real treasure map. You don't. Uh, I, I have the communist manifesto. You have uh, Mein Kampf. Uh, <laughs> my book has the treasure map. You know, it's just like all of that. Uh, and but going back to the idea that like of us being in a cave already in that way, it's, you know, we never truly enter the cave because we always exist in that cave. There is always that mystery. And, you know, we, we just enter it, you know, we were born into it. We're, con- we're conceived in that cave. And then we think we've exited this cave because we, you know, exited the womb but really, we entered this much larger cave. And when you think about it in terms of darkness, you know, because it's, it's much easier to visualize a cave when you have this idea of darkness. You think, okay, we're on planet Earth, and the sky is bright, and the sun shines, and, you know, sure, there's night and stuff, but it's going to be day again. So in that way, how can you say we're in a cave? And it's like, look at the fucking—look at space, man. Look at the, the, the all-consuming darkness of space and the fact that light is such an exception in space and tell me that that's not a cave. You know? <laughs> it's like, Jesus, man. Like, like, we are, you know, if you just look at the night sky and think that that is the norm, you cannot tell me we're not in some, you know, we're not just, Earth isn't just some torch inside a much larger cave. And in that way... You know, even just walking around when the sun's shining on a, a nice summer day, you're still in that cave. Um, so in that way, it's like you never truly enter the cave. You're just in it. But I think when I say entering the cave, it's it's kind of when you acknowledge that you're in that cave. And in that way, you do enter it. Uh, I would say it's very similar in some way to meditation. Here we go. Uh, but, you know, you close your eyes. You do that, you know, all the time. You know, your entire life, you you blink, you close your eyes, you sit there, and you're told to close your eyes, you know, and do this and that. Like when you're a kid, take a nap, take a nap, and, and you close your eyes, and you don't really think about what's going on. You go to sleep, whatever, you know. Uh, but you know, when you actually meditate, like when you sit there and you consciously just sit there with your eyes closed and you focus on your breathing and you try to even minimize your awareness of that, it's not that you go unconscious because, you know, when you get into a deep state of meditation, it's not that you lose consciousness, but something else happens. And that's part of the, the wonderful mystery of it all is just like you get glimpses of things, you get visions of things if you get really deep. And it doesn't always happen, uh, but it, that's just part of the mystery. It's like, why does that only happen sometimes? Why am, able, why am I able to tap into some kind of vision of like glimpses of things that have no you know, seeming importance, not even symbolically? I mean, that happens to me all the time. I'll have visions of things, uh, you know, 
first of all, I will say like having visions during meditation is not the norm for me. Uh, but that was the sort of leveling up, like going back to the RPG comparison. It's like, for me, like meditation is a form of grinding and that's why people find it so difficult to sit there and close their eyes. It's like, man, this is difficult just sitting here. I want to do this. I want to watch this. I want, I want some sensory input. I want to eat. I want to, you know, think about the things I have to do today. So just the idea of sitting there is very much a form of grinding, but it's, the opposite of what we normally associate with grinding, which in a lot of ways makes it an even more difficult form of grinding. Because it's like, I'm supposed to like do this thing I don't want to do for like a half hour or more or less, whatever, however long you want to do it. And I'm like not supposed to like, you know, and I'm not getting anything like sensory or like physical out of it. Like at least when you're working out, even if it's like a you know, a chore to work out, at least you know what you're doing. You can feel the muscles being used. You know what the result is going to be. But with meditation, you don't really know that. So in some ways, it's one of the purest forms of just embracing the fact that you are in that cave. And it, in and of itself, like the act of meditation in and of itself is entering a whole other cave because you are just closing your eyes and you know, you don't always just see blackness. It's not like you're just, I'm going to just stare off into the blackness of my eyelids for a half hour. It's not even necessarily that because you do get sensory input, you know, beyond like whatever visions you may or may not encounter, whatever thoughts may come and go. It's like you will just see patterns of light on your eyelids, you know, just from the room, from the sun, from anything. And that's cool too, you know, cool too, the sequel to cool. And uh, but just by closing your eyes and sitting in the darkness, it's just kind of entering a cave and accepting, you know, whatever comes. And when you do have little glimpses, when you do have epiphanies when you're meditating, you know, those are very much those torches I was talking about. Those are, it's like, oh, I came across something. And it might not mean you're going anywhere. I mean, like I said, it's like, just because I say that you'll occasionally encounter visions while meditating. It doesn't mean they're like profound and life-changing. Sometimes they are. And to be totally honest, this whole cave thing was, was it only came to my mind a little bit ago because I was meditating and I just had this thought and I didn't try to think it. I didn't, you know, try to come up with it. It just came to me and it's very simple. It's not like so profound or mind-blowing. I'm sure a lot of people have used it. I mean, I've read a lot of stories about caves that have, you know, metaphorical significance, you know, going back as far as we can go. And just a whole other thought on caves themselves. You know, you think about caves and sometimes people, people will refer to, you know, houses, like having a house or an apartment as a cave. And it seems obvious, you know, it's like a place you go into. But you think about the fact that Caves were the first, you know, because, yeah, like people could make huts out of wood. They could make things, you know, even in primitive times, they could make their own little like buildings and that. But it's like caves were the first, you know, house-like structures we ever encountered, you know. And there's a reason why humans, early humans are associated with caves and why we basically took the model of caves and tried to recreate them in all of these elaborate, ridiculous ways. I mean, you look at these modern houses and it's like you know, oh, nice cave, you know, but, uh, uh, it's just, it's one of those things where it was our first like model of like being in an enclosed space with an entryway. And, uh, you know, we tried to recreate that. We're like, oh, we can use this wood. We can use leaves to do that same thing. And I don't know the history of like 
<laughs> of buildings or anything like that. I'm just kind of winging it with this thought. But it is interesting to me that like in so many ways, even though our houses, you know, have windows and, you know, all of this, I mean, that even that idea is probably like, you know, some caves have holes in them where light comes in and that's a window. It's probably like, you know, we could build this hut, but you know that cave we like over there, that one cave that we really like because it has that hole in it? Let's try to do that with this hut made of, you know, grass and wood, you know, whatever. So it's just interesting that, like, the cave is that essential, that we basically have continued to, you know, build and, you know, just modify this same basic idea. And at the end of the day, it's like we do want to be enclosed. We do want to be enclosed in this space. And we do find some form of safety in being in there. Uh, and we don't want to believe that we don't know everything that's going on in our own house. Like the idea that things are happening in your house, like the idea of like, not just like burglars or like obviously nefarious things that can happen to someone's house, but just the idea that there's like a, maybe like a, like a, oh, there's a basement I didn't know about. Someone will freak out if they found that, you know? So the idea of having mystery in your own house is uh, extremely scary to people. Whereas, you know, for me, it's like, I love that idea. Like if I found a secret chamber in my own house, I'd be like, this is amazing. You know, this is awesome. And, uh, I think in that way though, it's like in the same way that people like are convinced they know what's in the cave wall and they want to dig into it. It's like, people don't like to, they don't like the idea that they might not even know everything that's going on in their own house. Uh, you know, Oh God, there's a, uh, there's a spider living in that corner. Oh my God, we got to kill it. You know, that's a form of the digging. That's like a form of the mystery. It's like, yeah, I get it. We're all afraid of, you know, things. We all have our, some people are arachnophobic. I used to be. Uh, I used to be arachnophobic, and there are still some spiders that scare the hell out of me, and I'll kill them. But I've made a conscious effort, like all of the hippies out there that don't kill spiders. I've kind of become one of those people who avoids doing it. And sometimes when I find that a spider is secretly living in my house, I'm like, this is exciting. You know, it's like, it's almost like a mystery. I didn't know you were there. Uh, what else is here? I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even know. I haven't been in that closet in two years. I don't even know what's in that closet. You know, it's like having an element of mystery in your own house is, you know, extremely attractive to me. I don't want to know, you know, I don't want to clean every surface all the time. You know, I, I like a clean house. There's a good reason to keep a clean house, but it's like, even in my own home, I don't want to know everything. Even in my own home, I want to be a scavenger. And so, you know, in that sense, it's like your home is a cave and you shouldn't try to necessarily be the master of your home. You know, even in your own home, there should be an element of mystery. When you close your eyes in a room in your own house to meditate, if you feel like doing that, that should have a, a huge element of mystery. And that's a way to even find mystery in your own home. If you can sit down in a room that you know in your body, which you think you know so well, that contains your mind, that you're convinced, oh, I, I, I have such an identity, I'm a this, I'm a this, I sit at this lunch table at the high school that I graduated from, but I, I never really left behind, and I know everything about myself, I know everything about my house, but the idea that you can sit down in a chair in that house, close your eyes, and enter a land of mystery tells you that you will never truly know everything inside of yourself, inside of your house, on this planet, in this universe, and in that you can just enjoy being a scavenger and enjoy finding those torches or those treasures or both. And you can be the person who grabs that torch and, you know, thinks like, I'm an, I need this. 
I need this resource. But you can also be that person who takes that torch and puts it just a little further down, puts that torch in a place where nobody has previously put a torch. And who knows what treasure that person's going to find. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave This golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children 